0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul.
2: You were necking your heaps normal today <laughs> You even drink them warm I'm starting to wonder Is there a problem? <laughs> I've
1: got a heaps normal problem It's not a problem When there's nothing bad that comes of it <laughs> It's not a problem when it's not a problem Yeah, it's not a problem when it's not a problem Oh, yes, I do love me a heaps normal
2: You really do love them, don't you? Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're really nice. It's a long time since I've had an alcoholic beer, but as far as I recall, you know, that's the closest taste to, it just tastes like a really good beer. And it doesn't make you triggered? And it doesn't make me feel triggered one bit at all. I know I don't want to drink alcohol for a myriad of reasons, and my life is so much better without alcohol in my life, but... It's been a real epiphany to realise that I don't have to live a life without beer in my life. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) There's a difference between alcohol and beer.
2: Yeah. And you can do all the things that you love to do and still hang out with your mates and have a beer. Mm. And it feels really normal. Just Mm. like, you're, yeah, you're not Mm. missing out on anything.
1: Yeah. That's the thing probably... I would have missed if I was a party guy. (laughs) I was a party guy when I drank, but when we stopped drinking, we didn't really party so much. But I would rock up to a party with heaps normal beers and it would be cool to just sip away at them. And it's really cool to have something that it's sort of like, I don't know, this feels like something ceremonial about drinking the same thing as other people are drinking, even if it's not alcoholic, to be having a beer, you know.
2: I love it when people come over and I I can't wait to like pull a heaps normal out of the fridge and go, try this, try this. Mm. And I love seeing their face because they're always quite shocked at how good it tastes. Mm. Yeah, And it's a bit of a novelty piece. Mm. at home like to for people to try these non-alcoholic beers and Mm. they're always quite shocked
1: yeah it's good i love it
2: anyone wanting to try out some heaps normal and want some free shipping on that just head over to heapsnormal.com and put in the code h-i-q-a for how i quit alcohol in uppercase and receive yourself some free shipping are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol do you want to drink less Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm so stoked to have the gorgeous Fee from Melbourne here with us today. How are you, Fee? Oh, good.
3: Thanks, Danny. How are you going?
2: I'm good. I'm stoked to have you on, Fee, because I wanted to share your whole journey, and especially because you were in the January Challenge group that was at the start of this year. So you're coming up to your one year soberversary, which is actually for you the third of Jan. Oh yeah, my God! Absolutely. Congratulations.
3: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Never was supposed to be a twelve month uh, journey. So, yeah.
2: What was your intention but... when you signed up for the challenge? <laughs>
3: So, I signed up uh, because one of my best friends, who's also been on the podcast, Kate, um, we were on a holiday together and she was telling me about her journey and where she had gotten to in terms of, you know, alcohol Um, and we had a whole week together. We had kind of this single mum's holiday, just the mums and the kids. Um, and as per every holiday we were drinking through it um, and Kate was talking about this podcast that she's been listening to and had been really inspired by and that she had set her mind to doing 12 Months Without Alcohol and hearing that kind of blew my mind really um, and so, you know, that we listened to some How I Quit Alcohol podcasts and it was the first time really I felt that I could relate Uh, to other people's journeys that maybe hadn't hit rock bottom or where alcohol was more starting to get in the way of living the life that you want but hadn't actually taken away the life that you wanted. Wasn't very pretentious either, which I liked. Not too preachy, Danny. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) But we were just drinking, you know, every afternoon, every night and just talking about alcohol and where we were at with it and spending the day sitting by the pool and listening to your podcasts and by the end of the week Kate floated the idea that maybe I could join her on the three month challenge which initially I thought there's just no way this is happening you know, I'd done a couple of Feb fasts and I'd lasted a week and just threw my hands up and just couldn't even get through a Feb fast so it was just not even something I thought was possible, to be honest. And by the end of the week we had together and listening to the podcast, I thought, all right, I'll, I'll give it a crack. I'll give the 3 months challenge a crack. And here we are.
2: Amazing.
3: Oh, my God, it's so amazing. Oh, well, do you remember? See, you might not even remember this, but we had, as part of the challenge, you do one-on-one. Yeah call yeah and I remember that you asked me and I was so embarrassed because you know I like to people please and be really good at stuff and you said oh so how motivated are you how, how you know hand give me a number out of 10 about how confident you are in getting through this and I think I gave you a six <laughs> and I and I was really embarrassed and I was lying because I was trying to make myself look good what, was it was actually a four probably more maybe a five I honestly didn't think I could do it I you know I just really really doubted my ability to to do it and not because I didn't want to I actually just thought it wasn't possible to to not have wine in my life really mm-hmm. yeah it's funny
2: how you can go into something and think no I don't know I don't know and you might have been more doing it for Kate's sake at what point did you go actually I'm in I'm all in here I'm doing this
3: but there was probably a couple of things. I think after kind of a solid week on the booze, you feel like, oh, I'll give it a fairly good crack now because that's just our holiday vibe. You know, enjoy it, have a good time. But, you know, there's always the, all right, fresh start next year. Um, I really did start to, I think, resonate with a number of people on the podcast and, you know, I think, you know, from what I really got a lot out of was, Got Owen because bit of a living end tragic back in the day punk rock girl Um, and so and just his kind of reflection on the scene and the partying and just that choice of being someone different um, and that you know you might have enjoyed the time that you had in your twenties and it was a really fun time but that actually continuing to live that life in your forties and isn't doesn't really have the same kind of shine as it once yeah. would.
2: Yeah, Scott's so great like that. And do you remember when he came in to the challenge oh, that and was jumped my on
3: gem. <laughs> when yeah. he jumped in that
2: Zoom? That was so cool. And he he awesome. talked about that. That was really cool where he said, you know, that you don't have to keep doing it.
3: That's the thing. And we do, we sign up for this stuff when we're, when we're 20, you know, in our 20s. And I know, like I loved you know, the late 90s, 2000s punk rock scene. You know, it was it was at its best and at its prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had a crew of, you know, 20 or 30 of us that would just go to the gigs all the time. And, you know, you'd have a few drinks before, you'd drink at the gig, you'd drink after the gigs. And there was also just this kind of, I don't know, I, I think the scene for me was awesome because it was just a bunch of people getting together who didn't give a shit. And for me, that was I think, really freeing because I've always lived these kind of two separate lives of this super high-achieving, super academic, super perfectionistic person. And then on the flip side of that, there was this kind of person who loved to rebel and party, and I think they kind of fed off each other. So I'd party really hard to give myself a reward for working really hard. But then come Sunday and come the kind of anxiety and the, oh, what am I doing to myself? Oh, I feel like shit. I feel sick. What did I say? And then it was almost the shame and the punishment set in. So then I had to work harder the next week to kind of balance it out. And so I think just kind of being, enjoying the music and kind of being around people who just really didn't give a shit you know, it didn't matter what you were or what you looked like. You were just there for the music. And um, I guess a part of it was also just getting wasted. So they yeah. weren't really separate separate yeah. entities. I know.
2: So identify with that. And I think we all have that, those two different parts of us. And one's just loves that kind of fuck it I'm going wasted I'm, I'm just I don't care and then there's the other part of us which I think shows up more as we get older and we get more responsibilities that other part of us it's like oh actually I don't know I don't know if I really want this but then the other part's like come on they, they just get so conflicted for so long and it's so hard and I think that is that's really hard that push pull push pull between the two parts of ourselves
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I don't think that push-pull gets any easier as you get older. I think it gets more complicated. You're right. When you've got more to manage, you know, you've got your work, career, kids, you know, you've got your relationship. And then to someone who gets to the end of your week and is like, I'm so knackered, that's it, Mm -hmm. fuck it, I need a drink. And that pattern continues because... For me, anyway, that party girl pattern was just a part of who I was and a part of myself concept, really. You know, that's how I relax and wind down, and that's my thing. And, you know, I'm not, I never thought about giving that up.
2: I know. And that's the hard thing to let go of. And that's, I think yeah. that's where the fear comes in of letting go of this label and this concept that I have of myself. That's so huge. And that's, um, you know, obviously we worked on that in the challenge. How, how do you deal with that now? Like how how has your self-concept changed?
3: Yeah, I think, look, I think it's a good question. I think it's been getting to know more about the fact that I don't have a good sense of those boundaries. You know, I think in the challenge, something for me, when everyone gave up and it was the first few weeks, people talked about finding time, finding energy. I felt like crap for the first three weeks. Doesn't mean anyone out there don't not do it but mm-hmm. you know and i almost started to shame myself for that i'm not doing yeah. this right yeah everyone else feels really good why do i yeah. feel still tired yeah feel, i don't feel great and it was that it took me a little while to to work out that you know the busyness of life the doing stuff was almost a bit of an addiction in itself you know oh. we get busy we don't have to think about stuff and then you know i'd be so busy that I get to a point where I needed to relax. And then that's where, you know, the helpful wine came in and mummy wine time came in and that kind of release and just having to to manage that and then realize that, you know, when I get too busy, I get super stressed, but that stress is still there. But I just have to stop in a different way. It's learning
2: how to stop in a different way and giving yourself yeah. permission to stop without the wine. Yeah. And I think the busyness too is also a protective mechanism. You know, Absolutely. if we're busy, 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 we don't have to stop and be with our stuff. There's a lot to kind of consider then when you do take away the alcohol. This is a good one for you to answer, Fee, since you have a background in neuroscience. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, which I shared to the group on dopamine and the dopamine effect and how when we take away those things that give us dopamine, like alcohol, and because it gives us so much dopamine all the time when we take it away, we actually get a dopamine deficit and that can last for quite a few weeks. You know, could you talk about that?
3: Oh, uh, look, and see, this is another really interesting thing is that I Technically, I do. I know a lot about the neurotransmitter systems and how, you know, how toxic alcohol is to the brain. But to be honest, over the years, I've tried to uh, just know as much about it as I need to. And I think what I've tried to do is I don't have the excuse of not knowing, you know, I know exactly um, about the effects of alcohol in the brain. We had lectures at uni about neurotoxicity and oh, wow. how the alcohol not just affects your neurotransmitters but it directly knocks off the neurons to the point where I remember being asked to people wanted uh, volunteers to do MRI brain scans in our, in our courses. And at that time I specifically refused to be a healthy control. Really? Because I wondered exactly what my brain would look like. And that was in my mid-20s. Yeah. So that's, that's how, how good I got it ignoring or shutting off from, I guess, the toxic part of the way that I choose to enjoy myself or the way that I chose to enjoy myself.
2: Well, even last week with Michael, who I had on the podcast, where he was talking about once he had a fall and then he had to do a brain scan and then they realised that he um, the cerebellum had yeah, in yes. his brain had started to atrophy. Yep. So it was dying. They, they assumed it was because of alcohol use wow and then he said that still didn't stop him although it was in the back of his mind
3: you know these things that that. we
2: can just ignore yeah
3: that direct personal experience and and I think also you know both my husband and I too with our work we we see the negative effects quite often you know I've worked with people who have unfortunately used too much alcohol in their lives and and do have Uh, alcohol-related brain injuries and my husband is in emergency services so he sees people on a regular basis that are really suffering and that have lost the majority of their quality of life and are living essentially in squalor because of alcohol Um, and the two of us have still held on to our our party crew you know our, our kind of 20 year old party selves you know, holding alcohol fairly highly
1: Mm -hmm. and using a
3: lot of alcohol because we did it as as 18, 20, 20 20-year-olds and, you know, despite that kind of contradiction between what we see and and how we support people. So it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really amazing how you can put the blinkers on like that until there comes a time where, it becomes more difficult to do. So I've realised I have i have not even answered the question. I've just rambled on to a completely different. That's okay, that's all right. Well, what I time. found interesting was this dopamine deficit. So when I
2: found in the challenges too, some people will feel really great in that mm. first couple of weeks when they quit alcohol, and others will just feel terrible, absolutely shocking for the first few weeks. Some won't sleep. Some will feel you know anxious, and I think it is that dopamine deficit. Yeah. I think you'd be able to back me up on this. It takes 30 days for the dopamine to start reoccurring naturally and to start to get to a homeostasis again.
3: Definitely yeah. takes time. And I didn't even look at the dopamine aspect of it at the time. I really looked at, I started looking at hormonal changes mm. because I I've, I've felt almost hormonal. I just felt tired and just mm. a bit. Flat, not even flat. It was just like a physical tiredness, like my body was readjusting, and it wasn't something that I was expecting because I wasn't a really heavy daily drinker. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any physical withdrawals. I'd, I'd never, you know, we always had a couple of nights off a week. We hadn't got to that point in our in our drinking where we, you know, needed to stop. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness, really. But you know, it was more. We still had a choice, which was looking back, pretty positive. What ended what ended up getting myself, and then three days after I started the challenge, um, my hubby joined. Not the challenge; he refused to join the actual challenge, but he <laughs> jumped on board and decided to to start uh, not drinking with me, which I think made the journey much much easier. But really from our point of view, is that we started to, I think we started to suffer because we're both health workers, we're both frontline workers, him much more so than me, um, and the 2020 COVID lockdown really started to shift our drinking from, oh, social, let's have a drink together, let's do this, oh, we're going out for a drink, oh, we're doing this. We started to stop being able to excuse it as, as social because, yeah we started to stress shrink and I had to really look at that in myself and realise that, you know, the lock with the lockdown the challenge for us is that our lives didn't change. Mm-hmm. We had to keep going to work. We had to keep sending ourselves, you know, to jobs that we actually had both really passionately loved mm-hmm. and I think, you know, really reflecting on how COVID really changed that for us is that we both had jobs where we felt like we'd go into an environment, I know I did, I'd go into a a hospital setting and it was a place of of safety, it was a place of caring, it was a place of helping. And all of a sudden I think for me, it's taken me a little while to, to work that out, but that environment that I loved so passionately and felt really safe in had all of a sudden become this kind of dangerous, unsafe place. And so I think that really knocked us about it. I think for both of us, not only was work unsafe, that home we were so worried that what if the the kids get it? And no, it was really a place of a lot of uncertainty. Mm. Um, And I think certainly for me being a high-achieving perfectionist control freak, uncertainty doesn't work so well. And we just noticed that we would reward ourselves for the day most days. And then most days become became pretty much every day. But there was also a sense that it was acceptable to do that during lockdown. You know, see, do you guys did you guys get much of that in 2020 or that more of a Melbourne thing?
2: No, uh, well, with people I've worked with and have worked with over, you know, over the time, oh definitely like their drinking went through the roof. And I guess if you don't have other things in place to kind of help mm-hmm. you with that stress, like it's been so stressful for for so many people and still continues to be stressful for so many people as well so yeah when you don't have tools in place to help you deal with that stress you go for that dopamine hit (laughs) that you're going to get straight away that you know my rights feels good and it probably does serve a great function for that first glass yeah the problem is after and what happens when you keep going so yeah, yeah I really appreciate that and and I really feel for you guys too, because you know, thinking of the frontline workers, especially back then when there was so little known about it, it would have been incredibly stressful. Yeah, no, and I think wow. you had
3: to internalize a lot of it too. Like I know we did. You don't mm. want the kids, we didn't we didn't want the kids to feel that we were stressed at all. So, you know, oh it's all right, mummy's having an extra wine, Oh, daddy's coming home, we'll have a drink. And so yeah. we tried to kind of keep that, you know, keep that normality as much as we could, but we just noticed the creep. You know, and I know that you've had people on the podcast before talk about, you know, kind of the, just the creep that happens. Um,
2: yeah, the sneaky bitch creeps on in.
3: Oh, yeah. But I remember, I think George must have, he must have got a heads up. He must have been working and he got a heads up about the first lockdown happening. I think, you know, in the hospital system or something, it might have just come out on the radio, but he rang me. He was like, look, we're going to go into lockdown. We never had a lockdown. What are you talking about? Have been on a weekend, and um, I had my gorgeous cousin with me, and he's like, Okay, you need to go get the essentials. Go get
2: toilet paper.
3: Oh, no, no, where do you think that we went? The bottle shop, good old Dan's,
2: yeah. straight away.
3: <laughs> Dan Murphy's we, yeah. we speak the same language, he didn't even have to say. So, before I went to the supermarket to stock up, we just straight, hightailed it straight to Dan Murphy's, and mind you. It was packed. So we're, we were not the first ones in line thinking the same thing. Yeah. No it's like so go easy. stock up
2: on essential oils and make sure you've got your <laughs> yoga mat and you're signed up for online yoga. <laughs> yes,
3: exactly right. So, you know, we have just troll it up just to kind of make sure that we have the essentials to get through any lockdown. So, you know, that was our first point of call before we, we even went to the supermarket to stock up. Yeah. And, do you remember
2: Alicia who was in the first challenge group as well? She went and bought something like 10 cases or 20, some like astronomical amount of wine, she said. Oh, and yeah. that's what saw her get into that first challenge was that she drank them all yes. <laughs> through the lockdown. I think she gave some away as well. But, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, when you said earlier about the you, you were about the fight, you are about five out of ten for your commitment oh. with the challenge. When did that turn around? When you were in the challenge, when did you start to realise, okay, I'm actually going to keep going and, and finish this challenge off?
3: Part of it for me is that not drinking had always been restrictive since I had kids. So the only time that not, the idea of not drinking didn't feel restrictive was during pregnancy. I remember I, had, I, was, I was doing something positive. Again, not for me. But for the baby, you know, so, so I was helping, kind of fitting in, I guess, with this self-concept of self-sacrifice and doing things for others first. And so, and it was a bit of a relief too. I didn't have to think about, did I want to have a drink or not? Um, what was I doing socially? It was just acceptable. I didn't have to worry about letting other people down on it being fun anymore because I was pregnant. And I really enjoyed my pregnancies. And I think part of it was that permission to just stop and slow down and not be uh, the party girl occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really reassuring. And so I hadn't since being pregnant found anything that was positive in terms of alcohol. It was always a restriction and, you know, if alcohol is your reward and that is your main source of reward and it has been since I was, you know, a teenager, work hard, play hard, you know, is always how things have been for me. And uh, it wasn't, I couldn't find anything that would give me the same positivity. And, and the challenge, Danny, and you know, if anyone out there is even thinking about it, the thing that really got me was that it wasn't about restricting. It wasn't about taking anything away from you. It was about what you could gain by doing things differently. And that was probably the thing that I really started to engage in, that I wasn't missing out that I was gaining things.
2: Once that is your mindset, I think it's pretty easy. Mm. It's, and I say this all the time on the podcast, but once you start to get into that space of, oh, no, I'm missing out, I'm missing out, you're kind of gone as, yeah, it, it's easier and it is easy when you have that mindset of, okay, I'm, I'm doing something amazing for myself, you know, yeah. and I'm not losing anything here. I'm just gaining. I've got, I'm gaining so much.
3: Yeah and that yeah. and certainly that was massive for me because yeah. the idea of restriction and in the context of what we'd been through with covid around not being able to do things and not having things and not having access of, to things and having things taken away the idea of having something else taken away was just horrifying so mm-hmm. the the challenge and is was so amazing in terms of we just viewed things positively And looked at, well, maybe alcohol wasn't giving you all those positive things that you thought it might be. And what are you gaining versus what are you losing? And and that approach for me just really sat well, I think, and and motivated me because it made me think, oh, what else can I gain here? And maybe I'm not, you know, missing out by not going out and getting smashed all the time. And not that I did. The big nights weren't that frequent, Kind of after kids, they they minimized, but it was the more for me. It was the drinking alone, and that's mm. because when you've got a husband that shift works often, my drinking socially was I was the driver, so I had that under control. there wasn't an issue. Mm. I go and have a couple of drinks with my friends, catch up, and I had to drive the kids home because that that was my job. You know, he works yeah. four days on, four days off. It rotates every week, so I'm kind of the primary on person to have to get everyone around. So. The going out and about, I knew I wasn't missing out. I knew I could do that and see people and and socialise. For me, it was the time at home when I was on my own, that reward system of going, okay, I'm home with the kids. I've had a couple with my friends. Oh, now I'm home. Oh, now I'll open the bottle of wine for me as a treat. Mm -hmm. And so it was really looking at is that really a treat? And we do a lot of work in the challenge around that, you know, about having those options. And I think for me the non-alcoholic beverages have been really important for me for that ritual Mm -hmm. and giving myself permission to be naughty, which is something I still have to work on Mm -hmm. because it's always about that little bit of permission and taking the foot off the brake and doing that. And, you know, I'm a big beer lover, so... As Ash talks about, you know, I love the Heaps Normals, and I love, you know, some of the the boutique brew beers. Like I mm-hmm. still get that. Ah, yeah, yeah. Have something that I really enjoy, and so that I think's been really helpful for me to still get that that ritual and that downtime.
2: Yeah, because if you had to like stop, I mean, even though I didn't use the alcohol-free drinks. Mm-hmm. At that stage when we we quit, but I was still making myself really beautiful drinks and making stuff that was really enjoyable. I think if you, you're just drinking water or, you know, you're not doing something nice, you sort of do feel like you're missing out. I think, and there's all these beautiful mocktails. There's so many beautiful things that you can do. And yeah. And then now the alcohol-free options, they're just incredible. Like they're amazing.
3: Yeah. They're getting, they're getting much better. I think. Yeah, totally. From a near perspective, I think we're ahead of the time and the, the spirits are the most amazing Aperol's where Can you call it an Aperol spirits if it's not alcoholic Was it the Monday
2: Distillery one?
3: It was. They made it up. It was actually at we went to Lake Ngambi, which is oh, yeah. a beautiful little place um, about two hours north from Melbourne and they've got a beautiful gin distillery brewery that serves gorgeous food we went there because we were staying there and my husband and I went for my birthday as a treat you know a year ago I would have been like I'm not going to a brewery and not drinking there is no way it is not happening but we kind (laughs) of got there and had a look at the menu and there was these gorgeous non-alcoholic cocktails on the menu and we had beautiful food and had this amazing kind of cocktail looking out at the lake and we still probably chatted about the same kind of stuff we would have spoken about, you know. Still talked shit together, and That's but right. did kind of probably saved a lot of money as well. Oh and dear, enjoyed God. our food, and then went home. So it was we still had a really good time without, I don't know, feeling like we were missing out on too much. So
1: even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: You don't have to miss out. Just and especially these days, there's so many options. Like you can you can do it all and still have your head together and still have really enjoyable drinks and beautiful moments. You're just not coming out feeling all fuzzy and and shit. As more and more people go alcohol-free, there's more and more options emerging and awesome drinks coming out. And it's just it's just great. It's not about missing out anymore. It's empowering. You know, you've made an empowering choice for yourself. You're yeah. doing this great thing for
3: yourself and you're in control. Yeah, the control is really, really a big part, I think. And the regret, just the, the sleep, the anxiety, and the lack of the doing ahead in the next day, I think is always is always incredibly powerful when you start going to look at the other option. And I think you and I were talking about, Danny, about the 12 months coming up and I have always been someone and, you know, so is George, that we, we've we always been, we'll give it a go. You know, we haven't really set goals about we were just going to do the three months and then we thought, oh, we'll just see how we go. And I remember at the end of the three months, we're having our last session and, and people were talking about were they going to go back to it? Were they definitely going to keep going? And I was in that kind of phase of look, I actually not quite sure. You know, I didn't really have a good sense one way or the other. And I think coming up to the 12 months, we were having a, Jordan and I were having a conversation about what we've, what we'd gained and what was different now. And how the 12 months had played out for us and in ways that we had not thought about we kind of tried to write a few things down and and we got to the point where we know we can't go back we know we can't go back things are you know things are, are so much better and i think if anyone out there is thinking about relationships too jordan and i would always compete over who got to drink or who was preferenced to drink I don't know yeah, who knew like that. who's driving
2: yeah totally yeah, it
3: was all tit for tat like everything oh, yeah. was tit for tat I did this I drove last time I did you know we were kind yeah, of you got familiar. up with the kids last time yeah yeah yeah
2: totally I mm-hmm. just
3: you know and so that I hadn't kind of realized what a big part of our relationship that was and you know it was almost like who gets permission to wind down well I work really hard and I do this and my job's harder and I deserve to chill out and you deal with the kids and I don't know. And a lot of that was underpinned by who wanted just to chill out and have a drink and not be interrupted. And or oh, when we weren't on holidays, it was like, you go take the kids with me. No, you do this. I'm gonna sit here, you do this. And anything after kind of 12 o'clock was almost a push of who's gonna do what, because yeah, you know, we needed to have some drinking time in this holiday.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Did you guys go through that? Like what was it oh, was? Yeah. I know and you know the, the criterion of the holiday particularly mm-hmm. if it was overseas was if there was not a swim up bar we would not be attending that was <laughs> and
1: that was our criteria you
3: know and <laughs> that just dribbles away you know there's no tit for tat anymore I remember probably yeah. a few months in we went away and went to I think we had a little camping and one of those caravan parks and it was probably you know four o'clock and it was like who's going to go kick the footy? Or well, one of the uh, one of our boys was like, "Oh, come and kick the footy, Dad." And normally it would just be an eye roll and, yeah. and we're both like, oh, "All right, we'll come. Why not? All right, we'll go. Do you want to go? To the, yeah. oh, you want to go to the pool? All right." And so we're we're supporting each other now. We're helping each other now because we've got time to do to do that. We're not trying to squeeze in drinking. As basically a hobby that needs dedicated time, no, totally, totally. yeah. Yeah. So I actually feel like our relationships changed a lot in a good way. We feel like more of a team. We feel like we're kind of more. Sounds terrible. Don't don't take this the wrong way, kids. Mummy loves you, but we just prioritise our kids more. You know, we haven't said, oh look, you know, we're going to have a drink. You guys go play you know, we're, we're in, we just connected more as a family too. Absolutely.
2: Like I remember when we were drinking and it would be like such a pain in the ass to have to get up and do that whole bedtime routine yeah. and like just begging, like, come on, please, you do it. You do it yeah. tonight. Like you do the routine. Or if I had a friend over, like, come on, can, can you put the kids to bed for me? And it just horrifies me now because actually oh. it's not always actually, sometimes, it's still a pain in the ass sometimes, but You know, it is one of my favourite parts of the day, you know, reading them a story and getting them into bed and, you know, tucking them in. And when I was drinking, it was just like, didn't even. It was just like.
3: Friday night, I was like, you're in bed. Love you. Night. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 totally. Absolutely. Going back to swim up bars because we lived in Bali for so long and we'd go and meet friends at certain places and those swim up bars make me want to puke because I, (laughs) I just see these people sitting there for hours and hours and thinking, So much liquid going in. I have not seen you get up and go to the toilet. (laughs) Did you know that?
3: So, so, Jord was telling me that there's just this kind of unwritten male rule that you just don't need to leave the toilet. You don't ever need to get out of the pool if you're in a swim-up bar. It's just acceptable. I just just like just a guy thing. Yeah, you just wouldn't do it.
2: Oh
3: yuck! It's an acceptable. I don't know. Male urban legend that there's just no rules when it comes to swim-up bars. Yes, you're allowed to. You are allowed to urinate in the pool as you wish when there's a swim-up bar involved.
2: Especially in Bali when there's so many people there at that bar and you think the amount of urine in it, there's no amount of chlorine that I feel comfortable with, (laughs) that I'm okay with this. It's just disgusting. So, Uh, yeah, I was never up for the swim-up bar, I must say. I was was like, if there's a swim-up bar, I'm not (laughs) there.
3: Yeah.
2: Anyway, so... um, yeah, so I, I think it's just fantastic, and hats off to you guys for for one. Like, it's just so amazing that you weren't even sure, and then you you actually completed the three months. You did it. You did all the work, and then and then decided to go and give it another twelve months. And I think whatever you guys decide going forward, this is the funny time. This I remember having this with Ash and talk about it in the podcast that when we got to the eleven months and oh, should we? Shouldn't we? And I still wasn't sure yeah. if I was ready to do that commitment of I'm never drinking again. I think I remember the time when we did say, I think I don't want to actually drink ever again, but I still felt so weird even saying that. And what did that mean for me? What did that mean for us? And yeah, but I tell you, like I know in myself, once you pass that year mark and you do keep going, it just gets even easier. It gets even better. I think you find more of an equilibrium with it. And it's just I don't know. Like the thought of going back was just I was so scared of going back that it was just like nah. Well, that's on. where
3: I'm at too. There's always there's yeah. just this little anxiety about it, and and I'm not anti. I've always said to everyone I, I don't know, you know. And we had the funniest conversation the other day about you know how would you define moderation? So we're, we're sitting around and we're talking about well, okay, because I remember George was saying that he really misses the boys' poker nights and they all, they're not often, they get together, they start off all right, they always get loose and that they love it. It's their thing. And George's like, you know, I just, I miss that. And I was like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, you know, if you say you get boosted at a poker night, is that no alcohol at home? Is that, you know, if you can have a poker night, what happens if it's like a, a night that we want to go out together? is that like a non-drinking night or is that we're allowed to have a drinking night sometimes or but if you've had a poker night in the last six months, is that off the table? So we're trying to come up with these crazy, you know, rules of what it it would look like because we know within our home the thing that we both are committed to is that all kind of the solo drinking and, you know, the drinking, sitting on the couch, watching a movie, it's just not, it's not life-enhancing, you know. If anything, it just takes away from the time we have as a family. And yeah. so then you're kind of like, okay, well, what's the next level of your circle? So if it's polka nights, but what about, you know, your mum's at Christmas? You know, his mum lives on a winery. They have a winery. You know, my a beautiful, kidding. no, a beautiful winery. We got married on the winery, you know, for Christmas, I would just put my hand up and be like, case of red, please. You know, so it's. So does that mean that if you go down there, that even though it's a winery, that you don't drink there? Or what if I have a girls' night? Is that allowed or not allowed? And we ended up just getting so kind of caught up in these <laughs> definitions that it was really anxiety-provoking, you know, kind yeah. of getting, and it reminded me of what it was like when we used to drink and we'd go, okay, no drinking tonight, babe. All good. Someone would have a bad day. Well, oh, what do you think? Maybe one? What do you want to drink tonight? And we'd both look at each other when we walked in the door because we'd agreed not to have a, a night or two where we wouldn't have a wine or wouldn't have a beer. And we just walk in and both of us would kind of be like sheepishly looking around the room and not no-one wanted to mention it first. And the minute mm-hmm. that one of us said, oh, should we just have, you know, maybe we'll just have one drink tonight. It's that condition yeah. and that, yeah. you know that idea of analysis paralysis where yes. you just just... Yes go over and over everything to the point where it just becomes really stressful and you do your heading about it and I don't miss that that's something yeah. I really don't miss
2: and it's always at negotiation actually you just reminded me too at the end of the 12 months I remember saying to us, well we won't drink anymore but perhaps I would just will on girls nights like girls weekends away and he was like but why and I'm like oh, I don't know and then I just actually thought oh no because I'd still have the same anxiety I'd still drink way too much probably that was when I would drink way too much well that's, um, that's
3: my permission to be yeah like, oh,
2: yeah so I thought no nah, no no no, I don't want to go back to that either so you know it was just I don't know so anyway it'll be interesting to see where you go with it so how has life improved for you do you think without without the alcohol
3: I think coping with 2021 you know we came into 2021 with this idea that it was going to be a better year, that we, you know, that COVID was over and that we could kind of get back to normal. And then we didn't. And then particularly again, you know, I think as Victorians and Melbournians, we're carrying the trauma from, from 2020. We had this collective trauma that we're all holding. And, you know, again, when we started to face lockdown, I don't know, if I'm, I imagine, and certainly people that I speak to have the same, you know, reaction is that you almost go back into that pre-lockdown state where you're like, oh, my God, not again, fuck. And I feel like not actually not drinking probably saved us in that respect because you could actually cope with the stress a lot better. Yeah. Um, and we're far less anxious and not waking up at 3 a.m., head churning, you know, kind of doing one's own head in, just the sleep and real reduction in anxiety, I think has been really life-changing for me. I think I'm better able to, to cope and regulate with stress. I, I think I've got a long way to go. I'm not, I feel like I don't have, don't have it all worked out yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've still got a lot of work to do around life balance and self-care and interestingly, George does too because he's white-knuckled it the whole way, you know, he hasn't been a part of that, you know, self-development stuff. And No, that's his choice. And mm-hmm. he really did what Ash talks about. He just made a decision that it was just he was done and that that was just not even an option, that it was just easy. But that's worked for him. But even he's getting to this point and talking about needing to, add to life in some way you know needing to kind of fill it up with something um, yeah to not feel that that loss of you know what am I missing out on
2: that's you hit the nail on the head too I think it's really important to work on the self-development stuff it's not what you know we don't just do it just just because there's a reason to it and it really does help you it does arm you but it doesn't stop either it's not like okay I did three months or I did one year and then that's it like I'm still learning I'm still working on my bullshit. Oh I'm still working on myself all the time you know I've got a great yeah. therapist and I'm doing courses and I'm learning and all the time doing breath courses and doing more meditation like there's more to lean into always and we're always still learning and anyone that says I've learned it all well yeah that's, that's no, ridiculous like and there's such joy in it. There's such joy in keeping on learning. It's actually really great. So, then you know, that's where you guys can go with this. You can go the next level into your self-development. And that's, oh, my God, it's so awesome. I think so it's awesome. also
3: a challenge. Like, I, you know, yeah. this is what I recognise too. Is For John, he's in the emergency services. He works. Th- every week is different for our family. I can't commit to a weekly yoga class because every week is different. Our weekends are different we only get his roster a month ahead of time you know so for us that kind of inclusion of extra things in life is is challenging in itself and so i think along this journey i've been mindful that you know comparisons also to what maybe other people in the group are doing or what other people i i hear about doing that because i can't achieve that that that's okay in the time that we have and you know, I think, I think for George too, not having that ability to just kind of join something or do something in a regular way is really challenging. And so I guess that for people like us where there's not a lot of time, it's around how can we do some of that to kind of continue the journey without overloading ourselves. And I don't think we've kind of got the answer to that yet really
2: you know it doesn't have to be too much too it can just be simply reading a book or it doesn't That's have a to level. be some yeah it doesn't have to be yeah. a huge commitment either just something each day and and particularly some self-care stuff I think is really yeah. important and I'm leaning into so that perfect. more and more now I was always into self-care but now I'm you know I'm really trying to make a, even more of an effort to to be there and, and to do things for myself that make me feel good because I think it's really important you know
3: I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard when people are really busy and there's this expectation that we've got to do it all. You've got to work hard. You've got to be an awesome parent. You've got to be super engaged with your kids. You've got to be fit. You've got to be healthy. You've got to be fun. So, like, it's really hard, you know, I guess Mm, it is mm -hmm. hard to keep all those balls in the air. and, And I guess it's about I think for me what I've learned is that a lot of those standards come from inside no, no one actually to- expects that of me. No one really gives a shit. No, no and, one gives a shit. No, and yeah. my friends still love me even though I don't drink and I think that was something that I was really scared of, I think. You know, who am I going to be if I'm not the, the fun party girl anymore or who am I going to be if I don't love a wine at the moment? And, and what is it
2: like to be not living by those labels now
3: really relaxing yeah actually you know I'm really really relaxing and I do get a bit like it does come up and I you know Danny will be all over this in terms of the study that you've been doing is you you just become more aware of when the judgy stuff is coming up yeah so and I think more aware of you know oh okay I'm having this thought and oh you know I'm not good enough I'm gonna be judged oh I'm not gonna be funny if I don't say yes to 10 different things
0: Mm -hmm. i think
3: you you just get that clarity and you get to be a bit more aware of that that dialogue that goes on because you're not covering it with alcohol exactly and that's where the
2: authenticity comes Mm. i think you know and that's the beautiful thing about this whole journey yeah you know really getting to know yourself and being authentic and and sitting with the staff and you know all the rest of it but yeah it's it's
3: just cool. mature, you know growing up that's yeah. what Jordan and I give each other shit about I'm like well we're we finally growing up is this what growing up is we're adulting you know adulting <laughs> actually yeah, which can fun. seem I, I guess there's a part
2: of us too that would feel like oh that like I would have been horrified to hear that about myself a few years back like over four years ago but actually I don't know there's something so relaxing about it like you say it's sort of grounding it's you know, it's not all these crazy ups and downs, mm. you
3: know,
2: and I, I realise that I need stability. I need, I I don't need the ups and downs. It brings too much drama for me with it and I don't need that in my life and I've realised that that was, I don't know, something I was clinging on to that gave mm. me some excitement or, you know, as Eckhart Tolle would say, feeding my pain body. <laughs> but I don't need to feed that anymore and I'm, I actually enjoy this stability, you know, and I, I like that. I like where my life is and, Yeah. Do I want to get loose ever? I don't know. Not really.
3: See, I know that there's still, and I think this is where Joel and I both agree that, you know, we've got that we've kind of acknowledged the 20 party year old cells. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. I'm like, oh, I reckon she's there. Party fees there. Like I can feel her. Like she's just kind of, she hasn't gone away. Like she's still there under the surface. And I do feel like, that if I was to to let go and maybe go and say, oh, I might just have a drink or two that she'll be back out with bells on, yeah, of, um, be. you name it, yeah. tearing up the dance floor.
2: But do you know, I, I know this sounds weird, but you still can go and party. It doesn't happen as much for me, I must say, because yeah. I do it when I feel ready to it. So.
3: Yeah, that's the adulting danger, yes. Danny party yeah. girl, you know, like in that... Yeah. And that's who you've got to discover, I think. And what I worry about is the 20-year-old party girl is still lingering and she's not pretty when she comes out.
2: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know. mine's a real dick.
3: Oh, mine's <laughs> horrendous, horrendous.
2: Anyway, Fee, well, thank you so much for this chat. It was just, it was really great to and talk to you. I feel like I haven't seen you for ages, so it was really <laughs> good to catch, catch up.
3: Ages. It's lovely to catch up. So, yeah. We will see what happens. And I think, you know, if anyone out there is just thinking about maybe changing things up and mixing things up a bit in the new year, give it a go. And even when people ask me, they're like, are you still not drinking? Wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I I'm like, you yeah, no, I'm surprising myself too. You yeah, know? Yeah. So it can be a bit of a slow burn. It doesn't have to be. Oh, I know that this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it for this amount of time and that amount of time. It's just about mixing it up a bit and saying yeah. mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think knowing that you're going to do it for three months, you know, you don't even have to do it beyond that. You can just try out the three months. And I'd also say if anyone is interested in signing up, get in contact with me. And I'd rather people give me a call and we chat about the expectations and what yeah. what the what's involved. Because I'd say one thing, it's like, if you don't participate in this kind of thing, if you turn up and or you, you sign up, I can't wave a magic wand over anyone and say, right, that's it. Now, now you won't drink for three months. So you, there has to be a level of participation, and that's one thing. You were great, Fee. You. Like you are always coming to the Zoom calls. And I loved it. You were open-minded. I yeah. You know, so and you participated.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Absolutely. But you're yeah. learning a new skill, which I really liked. You know, I didn't. You know, like I said, I've got it. I've got the background. I know the mm-hmm. education about alcohol. I know how bad it is for you. I know all the bad stuff. And I just put blinkers on and chose, chose for many years just not to worry about that part, but knew mm-hmm. eventually that life was going to have to change. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. You can't ignore it forever. And, you know, I think I was, I was ready. And I think COVID really showed me that. This idea that drinking is always happy and social isn't always the case, and sometimes you got to take a look at it. And in and
2: be
3: order honest. to change, you have to do things differently, which is not just not drink.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's the point I'm sort of trying to make here is that you have to make some changes. You have mm-hmm. to lean into it, and yeah. I certainly wouldn't say sign up for this challenge if you're not prepared to actually do some stuff. I mean, yeah, it, there just is there's no point so no, it's, just, it's not you just easy like a gym
3: membership that you'll never use danny exactly exactly
2: <laughs> exactly yeah so it's not the easiest either it's you know no. but the more i tell you what this current group too that we've got at the moment they're just amazing like, and they're so engaged and they're just killing I'm it
3: jealous. i was an original girl are you, are you comparing are you can <laughs> no not
2: not comparing not comparing (laughs) um, no but they are just a beautiful group and they're just going so well and I just I love it you know it's it's great and to see them all connect with each other and help each other out through
3: you know through this whole journey the group element to it I think was really really helpful I mean I was lucky enough to have Kate as my sober buddy and then obviously George was Mm. around with me not drinking which is really helpful but the connections on the Facebook group and, you know, as you know, I was a little bit reluctant to uh, to do some personal sharing. It's not my jam, but, uh, <laughs> but the group and just kind of having a bit of a share and kind of just seeing what other people were going through and yeah. being able to share that experience, even if you're surrounded by other people in your life that, you know, are big drinkers or that, you know, enjoy a drink and, You don't have to feel isolated. You're not doing it on your own because the group Mm. really gives you those connections, which, again, was unusual for me because I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be good at sharing on, you know, on Facebook, but it was good, and even that's been a challenge.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about leaning into and getting out of your safe zone. You know, if you keep on doing everything the same and, you know, ordering the same food every day and wearing, you know, if everything, staying in that safe zone doesn't get you anywhere, doesn't get you any changes. So so tell me about, you said you'd written a list about. Oh, my
3: list? Yes, please. uh, I did a 12-month snapshot of things I have not done in the last 12 months. I have not woken up at 2am with anxiety. I have not laid in bed on a single Sunday Feeling like I'd been poisoned. when my <laughs> hangovers were shocking. Like I visibly could feel the poisoning happening. I have not vomited from said poisoning. I have been, not been unable to recall going to bed or having conversations because I'm just, I was always a blackout queen. I know it sounds tremendous, but I just thought my brain didn't like alcohol very much. And I've always been not able to remember things when I've had too much always. Mm. So in hindsight, again, blinkers on from someone who knows about the brain, not ideal. <laughs> I have not woken up with unidentified bruises. Oh I my God, not- the bruises. The bruises, the oh. bruises. Yes. <laughs> the bruises. I have not fought with my partner about bullshit while drunk. Mm-hmm. I have not woken up replaying conversations in my head and being mortified about oversharing or being, saying something rude or bit bitchy maybe. (laughs) I've not had to use find my phone to locate my mobile (laughs) in 12 months.
2: I've got a friend who's got to use that all the time. Oh, my God.
3: So stressful. I have not woke up and had to check my bank account to see how much money I've spent. (laughs) I have not woke up and had to check how far my Uber rating went down because I was too drunk to rate the driver.
2: Or spewed in the Uber.
3: Oh, luckily I hadn't done that. But God knows what I said to them on the way home because I wouldn't remember. I've not returned home to be unable to find our house keys, spend half an hour trying to kick in the double-glazed window with my hubby, then squeeze through the doggy door, having my husband find the key in his pocket the next morning. (laughs) I have not breathed on my children with stale alcohol breath. When they sneak in for cuddles overnight and I'm too asleep to notice I have not had to tell my kids that Mummy's not feeling well today and needs a rest (laughs) and I've not had to go and tell them to go away and leave me alone because I'm having a drink with my friends so yeah there's some kind of good things that I haven't had to do in the last 12 months that I love that would kind of be the normal you know they are things that that were pretty normal and I wrote. I actually wrote a list of things that I had done in the last 12 months, which is I looked at my relationship with alcohol and looked at what I was avoiding and mm. having to sit with some of the tough stuff. Yeah. I actually realised that I had really poor self care and boundaries mm. and lacked self compassion, and I and I think a lot of that was the challenge stuff. Really, we spent quite a bit of time on that, and that was really helpful. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have felt way more connected to the kids and I feel like I've actually fallen in love with my husband all over again, Hmm. that we're a team and that we actually have each other's back now rather than it's your turn, it's your turn and they're getting pissed off when it's my turn, you know, that resentment has gone and the less the, the reduction of the guilt and the shame and beating myself up has really reduced and that's been really helpful Yeah. And connecting with gratitude and, you know, really realizing that we were trying to escape from what actually is a really beautiful, wonderful Mm. life that we have access to. And Mm. really trying to look at what are we trying to escape from when what we actually have is so special and so lucky. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So true. Yeah. So that is kind of the learnings and reflections on the twelve months. Amazing, Fee. Yeah. Why would you go back? Well, that's exactly right. It's the, it's it's exactly right. But there's, if I'm super super honest, there's still that. I don't know if I haven't connected with that self belief or the gut or the authenticity yet. Like there's still there's still something sitting there, and I know George feels the same, but we felt the same at the three months and we just kind of put our heads down and just kept going until we worked out what the next step
2: was. Yeah. I remember feelings. Like I said, we felt the same too. And especially at this time, 11 months, once uh-huh. you, I think once you get past the 12 months and you kind of go actually, yeah, this is good. I'm going with that. And don't put any pressure on yourself as well. Yeah. Just say, we'll just see what happens. And yeah, you know, you don't have to make any big declarations and, but just know, like, keep looking at those lists and, and weighing it up and it's pretty obvious. It's, it's blaringly obvious what's the best choice for you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I must get out of here. No, I
3: know. Me too.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It was really That's great. Awesome. I love this chat. It was awesome. Nice
3: to see you again. You too, Fee. All right. Touch base. To Bye. Bye.
2: So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change the how i quit alcohol playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude daily affirmation and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today